Hey parents, welcome to the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. I'm Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. And today we're going to go a little deeper into a topic we've talked about from time to time. Uh, and that's about chores and uh, giving allowances and financial responsibility. And we are fortunate to have with us today the Susie Orman, the Warren Buffett of <laughs> behavioral therapists talking about how to have financial responsibility in your family. And that's Michael Green. Did you oh, know right. that that's who you are? I did not know that. No. <laughs> he was just telling me off air before we got on, he had to check with his wife to see when they actually started doing yeah. allowances back in that day. So uh, so we should it should be a good one today. And, and I, I think this is a, such an important topic. And uh, we certainly want to uh, help parents sort of think through uh, from a brain science perspective, uh, sacred work and uh, financial responsibility. So we'll do that. Uh, Michael, why don't you give us a little shout out for the Man Cave, one of our sponsors? Yes. So Man Cave, uh, men need to be caring, actively engaged and encouraged. So it's an anagram or acrostic for that, which is correct. Is it anagram or acrostic? I, I think it's acrostic. Acrostic. Okay. Yeah. M, M period, A period, M period. Okay, so man cave. Men need to be actively engaged, caring, caring, actively engaged, and vested and encouraged. And so it's a creation of Marion Hill in Phoenix uh, with Greater Phoenix Urban League, with Head Start of Phoenix, with My Brother's Keeper, and it's a nurturing father's program. So if you know a father, uh, if you are a father, um, you know, it, it helps fathers and families. And um, uh, if you go to wonderofparenting.com, you'll see uh, man cave there and you'll see a PDF that explains everything that they do and how you can get a hold of them. And because so much is happening on zoom, you can get a lot of support. Um, they're based in Phoenix, but they can go worldwide to give you support. So check that out. And um, I'm also going to um, uh, connect this up with our new early childhood online course, the Gurian Institute's um, uh, we now have a course that I teach. It's a video course with some other materials. And uh, if you go to the products page of GurianInstitute.com, if you're in the early childhood world, you might really like checking that out. And um, so it's, it's uh, you know, minds of our youngest boys and girls. So it's specifically for early childhood educators, parents, et cetera. Excellent. And Marianne was involved in, in that. This just in from Wikipedia. An anagram mm. is a word or phrase formed by rearranging the letters of a different word or phrase, typically using all the original letters exactly once. So, for example, the word anagram itself can be rearranged into nagaram. Oh, that's what that <laughs> also, is. Also, okay. the word binary into brainy, the word abode into uh, uh, the word adobe into abode, and the word silent into listen. Wow! So there you go. Yeah. So, so right this now is not- we can. That that was that was an acrostic what you were doing, okay. And uh, and so right now, really, people have gotten their money's worth from this Wonder Parenting <laughs> podcast. So everything on top of that now is bonus <laughs> today. Yep. Uh, so uh, also want to say thanks uh, to Dr. Greg Jantz. We we uh, have talked about him so many many times because he's been our primary sponsor for years. Uh, Wonderofparenting.com has a link to the Center of Place of Hope. And that's where you can uh, find out more about the wonderful resources they provide, both in terms of books, uh, care, uh, in-person counseling, and so on. And check them out, wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com. And that's also a place where you find all of the different resources that uh, have been created over the years to help you as parents. So this is the question. 
Would love to get your thoughts on how to teach your children about financial responsibility. What age did you start? What materials did you use, if any? Uh, now, by the way, this was on our Wonder Parenting Facebook page. So when they're asking specifically, when did you start? Uh, what resources did you use? It wasn't just addressed to me and you. It was asked of anybody in the mm-hmm. group. Yep. Uh, at what age did you start giving your child and uh, an allowance and how much? Are chores a part of allowance arrangements so that kids are not given an allowance? If they don't do their chores, and what is the frequency, weekly, daily, monthly? What's an appropriate age to open a bank account for them? And how involved should the parents be in managing it? A lot of really good practical questions. Uh, and um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, Michael. I know you like to talk about sacred work mm-hmm. uh, and you like to talk about allowances and stuff. Let's talk about all of that stuff together. Initial okay. thoughts. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're, you're right. I mean, you jokingly said that about me having to call Gail uh, about this because it was a long time ago. So I did not, I did not remember when we started. She says we started giving them allowance and I'm sure she's right. She has a great memory uh, at between eight and nine. Okay. And, um, uh, and so, you know, there are kids are millennials. So it is, if you're raising kids right now, it's a different generation, but I, I don't think there's, you know, that there's going to be anything developed much that's developmentally different, truly, um, on this kind of thing. It's sacred work is sacred work. The kids need to do their chores or they don't get allowance to answer that part of this. I can just immediately say, why, why would you give them allowance if they're not helping the family out? Right? No, no, they don't get allowance. They got to help the family out. They got to, because this is about financial responsibility. And one of the ways you teach responsibility is by making sure they are responsible. We don't want to reward with money them being irresponsible about the work they need to do. And so that was, um, our kids did have to do chores all the way through their development. Um, uh, and between eight and nine, when we started giving allowance, uh, you know, they knew that they were not going to get the allowance if they didn't do their chores. And so, you know, it, it was leverage. They did their chores. So now we had leverage um, for them to do their chores. And then uh, what I recall giving them initially was, um, I recalled like $5 a month, but Gail thinks we gave them $5 a week, but she said really inconsistently. (laughs) So, (laughs) so like some months we might've given them $5 a whole month, but other times if they had like birthdays coming up or something, we would have given them more. Um, And that, that is now we're talking 20, 25 years ago. Uh, Let's see, 20 years ago. So maybe it would be more now, but I kind of think, you know, $5 is a good amount of money for an eight-year-old. I don't think you'd want to give them a lot more. Um, uh, want to kind of see how they spend that because part of financial responsibility is, okay, what do you spend your money on? Um, you're going to have to work to earn money in the future. We're, we're now starting to reward the work you do around the house with money because money is life energy, you know, money is earned. And so, um, uh, and then because you have earned it, what are you going to spend it on? And they get to spend it on what they want, of course, as eight and nine. Um, but uh, as they get older, you know, we said to our kids, well, we're for your birthday, we're going to get you this dress, let's say. But you want those other things. That's what your allowance is for, you know. And so then that's another way of teaching them responsibility because they have to kind of bank some money because they're going to want these other things and we're not going to get those things for them. We're only going to get them what we're getting them. So the allowance 
kind of, so the ultimate message is let's have a purpose to that allowance. Mm-hmm. Um, let them have the freedom to spend it with what they want, but, but then don't augment it by buying them anything they want, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when they have an allowance now, they, they can buy that themselves because they've earned that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my ultimate message on allowance. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. So when you talk about sacred work, household chores, are there certain things in the family the kids should just do because they live in the house and they're a part of the family and should not be tied to allowance? Mm-hmm. And what are things that we should tie an allowance to? Um, well, again, to me, it's sort of the developmental leverage. Uh, okay. It's it, it, those things they should do anyway. So if there's a parent listening and they don't give their kids an allowance, okay. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not absolutely saying every family should. It worked for us. I think it's a neat thing to do, but, but they're going to still require the kids to do their chores and, and, uh, I hope, and those of us who give our kids allowance, right, are going to still require our kids to give to do their chores. So yes, the kids should do the sacred work, just like they should, you know, perform well in school, or certainly do their best to perform well in school. They should do their best in the athletics they're involved in. They should be involved in relationships with others and not, you know, isolate in their room. These are just developmental things that kids should do, and their chores are part of that development. And so, yeah, we, I was just joking around about it because it, because we could tie it like to our 10 year old, we could say, okay, you know, we're now going to say you're earning this money and we wanted to frame it as it being earned so that then they uh, spent it wisely. Right. Uh, But I'm glad you brought that up because I certainly am not saying that, that kids should not do their chores if they're not paid. I'm not saying that. Right. Well, and and again, we're because we're talking financial responsibility here. Uh, most of our kids at some point are going to have to have jobs, and they're going to learn one way, shape, or form that if you don't do your job, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And so, part of what we want to teach them in the home is this is how the world works. Uh, we want to teach our kids some of our own values when it comes to money, uh, in the way that they use it. So, for example, in our home. Um, one of the things that we were taught when I was a kid was that we set aside 10% of what we were giving Mm -hmm. Uh, in our case, you know, to give to a church, but it might be a charitable cause uh, just so that we're always aware of other people. And uh, so we were setting aside money to give away to somebody or something that we cared about Um, and, you know, saving a certain amount. Uh, Somebody had asked about bank accounts um, to recognize that 
yeah, you you can get this allowance, but in the real world, uh, once you start making money, you just can't spend all of it whatever way you want. There are bills to pay and so on. And I remember that, uh, mm-hmm. it, and I don't know if we can talk much about Bill Cosby these days, but I remember in his show uh, that aired in the 1980s, so a lot of our parents probably were just kids at that time. There was a, uh, there was a, a one of the shows was on this topic. Mm. And Theo, the boy, the son, um, you know, he was, he was trying to spread his wings. He wanted to live on his own, you know, and just make basically with his own money. And so his dad gave him a lot of money and then he kept taking money uh, back from him and said, well, you got to pay for this. You got to pay for this. Uh. You got to pay for the food and so on. And in the end, Theo had no money left. Uh-huh. Right. Because there were bills to pay. There was life to live. And that's part of what you want to teach your kids. Right. Is, Absolutely. Yep. And, and you know, so whatever percentage you say you need to put in the bank or put in savings, these are all ways that we teach responsibility to our kids. So they begin to learn at age appropriate places. This is how money works. Yeah, absolutely. We're what we did is is um and I love I love that you guys did the 10%. We did not do that and I wish now we had. Uh we gave, you know, we the family gave, right, to our synagogue, etc., but we should have had the kids do it. Um <clears throat> uh, what we did with them is they they had piggy banks, so we would give mm. them this money and and we were always talking to them about about money and money has life energy and how you earn it and look at how hard you know we work both gil and i worked right look at how hard we work to earn this money so you Mm -hmm. all can have and you're going to be this you know we definitely were talking about that and and so they had piggy banks and they put some of the money in the piggy bank they didn't have bank accounts at eight um that happened gil and i both think we remember uh that happened in adolescence but but they had the piggy banks and they had these little boxes, these really sweet boxes they made in crafts, you know, and they put money in there. And, <clears throat> and meanwhile, I I especially, both Yale and I talked about how we went to work at between 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked in a Continental Trailways bus station cleaning the toilets. That was my first job. Before that was newspaper routes, but I wasn't sort of counting those. Um, and then, and Gail started working in the fields in Nebraska because um, her dad came from a farm and and so, so we were always saying to them, you know, just what you just said, Tim, that this is all in the context of work and ownership. And yeah. pretty soon you're going to be going to work. And, um, and, and then at 16, both our kids started working. So, and they worked in a nursing home in the, in the, you know, the cafeteria, feeding the older people, serving the older people. And um, so they started working at 16 so they were, it was contextualized financial responsibility. We had contextualized it for them and building it up toward when they would earn their own money. And I joked around with my kids that we, they did not pay me rent, pay us rent. But when I was a kid, my mom, my mom and dad had a lot of financial troubles on and off while Mm. raising us for a number of reasons. Um, And uh, I, once I started working, had to pay rent. And so we paid money back into the family because the family needed money. And I was always joke with my kids and say, okay, we're, we're, we're not having those financial stresses. You don't have to do that, but just know, you know, this exists. <laughs> yeah. So it's really neat. You said that about Bill Cosby. I had not, I do not remember that, but it's sort of, it's sort of similar, I guess, trying to get them to see that um, we work hard for the money and 
this is where the money goes. It goes for people to live. It goes for our family to live. And we we definitely contextualized it there. It was, it was very important. And a message to give anyone who's listening, just, just at least talk about it in your family. To me, the most important message here is that as kids get money, that um, ownership and responsibility is attached to the money. And so that the money is never in a vacuum. It's never out of context. It's always contextualized in the lifespan of the earning of money and the use of money and financial responsibility. That this is just an early stage of that, right? Mm-hmm. It is eight. It's an early stage, but it's contextualized. And, and one thing we did with our kids is if they got anything, including if they bought themselves a new doll, they, they had to give a doll away to uh, goodwill yes. or to charity. And, and some of that didn't happen each time. What happened is after a few months, there was a clean out. And then, you know, they took a bunch of stuff and we put it in boxes and took it to Goodwill or the, our temple had a drive, you know, or a food drive or, or a, a toys drive, toys for tots. And so we were also connecting them to that and saying, you, you know, you can't just acquire. You, you, you have to also give back and give it away. And that, to me, was part of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking back to my childhood. There were five of us, five kids uh, and, um, <clears throat> my, my mom was a stay at home mom most of the time. Uh, but we had some periods in our family too, where things got really tight financially. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we didn't always get allowances. Um, but we were, we were taught, um, you know, uh, that money doesn't grow on trees, right? That's the yeah, <laughs> money doesn't exactly. grow, grow on trees. Uh, you can't always have what you want. Uh, and that there is a certain satisfaction and power that comes from earning uh, your the thing that you buy. You know, it's it's very cool when grandma, grandpa, or mom or dad comes home and, hey, surprise, here's the doll you always wanted. Mm-hmm. But there's also something about handing that money over to the store clerk and saying, I raised this myself. And uh, the, the, the sense of accomplishment that our kids have. Uh, like you, I ended up working, I started working when I was in seventh grade. I don't even know if you can do that anymore these mm-hmm. days, but you know, it was cleaning back rooms in a, a, a little store. Then, then later on pumping gas when people used to pump gas for right. you. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, we're talking back in the dark ages. Our listeners have no idea <laughs> uh, that people used to pump gas, right? Um, <laughs> for you, you didn't have to pump your own. Um, but I think about, uh, you know, today and like my grandkids, for example, as they're starting moving their teen years, I don't even know when they have a job. They're so busy with, you know, their extracurricular things that are also good for them, mm-hmm. right? Um, whether it's sports or it's music or it's drama or chess club, these are all also good for them. Do you have, mm-hmm. uh, from your perspective, thoughts on um, those extracurricular things? getting jobs at a certain age and of course life balance. Yeah. Yeah, I what I always say to folks is um if your child is devoted right now to a particular usually it's an athletic pursuit that mm. just necessitates the child is going to be 2 to 3 hours every afternoon, you know, at practice and and or there could be games that, that night. Um so if they're two to three hours at practice, then they're going to need to do their homework for an hour or two. And so there's really no way they're going to be able to work during the week, even if even at 16. Um, they're, they're not going to. It's not logistically going to happen. 
but maybe they could still work on the weekends, you know, um, but they might have games all day Saturday and then they can't mm-hmm. work. Okay. Fair enough. You know, that's fair enough. Like you say, they're getting a lot out of those, those particular extracurriculars, especially that, that moving up the next level in that athletic um, pursuit. So I'm certainly not saying that, you know, every child should go to work at 16, but I will say, I will say that, and I'm not the only person who says this. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are thinking, thinking that we went a little overboard on our kids not working Mm. because we wanted them to have comfort and we wanted them to have freedom and, you know, all of that. And so now we got a lot of kids who don't have a work ethic you know, right. and they're 25 or 30. So I, I think every family needs to make its own decisions, but I would err if the child is not involved in some this massive athletic pursuit, um, uh, I would think about the child starting to work um, at 16 because they're, oh yeah, yes, they're going to learn good things from chess club. Like I love chess, of course. So I would, would never bad mouth that chess club is great. Uh, but man, do you learn things in the workplace? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's stuff that you just can't learn anywhere else. And and mature talk about maturity. Going to work is so maturing. Um, and you know, from a brain science perspective, it's so maturing of the brain. It just makes the brain expand its abilities and uh and close connections and develop uh, new ideas. And you know, so working is um is amazing for teens. So I, I kind of always err on the side of let's put them to work if you got, you know, if you can, but if you've got this impediment, okay. But if, you know, if they're playing video games on school nights and they're doing fine in school and they're playing video games on school nights, I think, Oh no, put them to work. They Mm. they ought ought not be playing video games on school nights. You know, that that's two hours when they could be doing some kind of work and earning some money. So another way parents could look at it is, okay, are they pursuing entertainment and material stuff? If so, let's have them go to work, (laughs) you know, on school nights, let's say, or at least on the weekends. Uh, One of the questions asked here was about a bank account. And um, in our case, and I've shared this story on this podcast a few years ago now, uh, we actually had a bank in Minneapolis that came into the schools and they collected money. And then we got these little passbooks or passport books or whatever they called them. So we would always be able to write down how much we invested in the bank. Uh, we could figure out interest. Banks used to pay interest. This is another thing that probably our parents who are listening have no idea. Banks paid interest. Um, and um, and it, what, what it was, was it was a way to sort of learn the habit of saving, uh, how money works where money goes, uh, so that you can begin to create this mindset. Um, now, uh, I need to sort of confess, my wife does all the bill paying. I don't do any of it, right? So it's 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 so not in my wheelhouse. Um, I look at numbers and I just groan. Um, so uh, I just basically, you know, I sort of know, okay, we, we've spent enough now uh, and we've got to pull back. But um, still I had to learn that stuff. I had to learn how to write checks, how to balance a checkbook, although, you know, credit cards or whatever it's going to be, uh, in this day. And, um, those kinds of things are really important and can start at a fairly early age. Mm-hmm. I would think if it's just, uh, and we're going to save up for this little thing and, uh, 
Uh, this amount of money will always stay in the bank, would never go below this balance. And, and um, uh, I think all of those things are really, really helpful because we want to give our kids life skills. And I'm sure you see this as well. We see this in the church. One of the life skills a lot of people don't have these days that causes all kinds of other problems in marriage and families is they don't know how to manage money. That's right. It's true. And I'm guessing you've seen a number of divorces that maybe that wasn't the sole reason, but it had a lot to do with uh, adding the weight to an already pressurized experience. Oh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Money is one of the big five, you know, how couples handle money um, in terms of what could lead to divorce. So absolutely right. And uh, all of what you're saying, I just, I, I totally get it. Uh, and I think, and I think interestingly in my house, Gail, Gail does, our division of labor is similar to yours. I'm more out on the road. I'm more, I'm more hours, uh, there, you know, mm-hmm. and she's more hours paying bills and doing the checkbooks and the finances. So it actually is kind of similar to you and Jan, and that's a good division of labor. Um, and, you know, and you and I, if we needed to, we could, because we learned right. when we were kids, we learned how to do it. We could, we could do those things and they're very important to learn. So I, I hope every parent hearing this will say, okay, I'm going to start giving allowance. And then at a certain point, I'm going to start savings. I'm going to start, you know what I mean? Like, here's yep. going to be the savings. Um, so, okay, we've given you allowance for a year. Look at how you're spending it. We want to help you with the next level. The next level is save half. And like you said, tithe some. That was a really great suggestion. And so now you're now the child is 10, let's say, and has to prepubescent has to start organizing this money. Uh, so so even the money, do it in developmental stages as the kids get older. Right. And of course, we could have this discussion about cooking meals, right? Uh, car maintenance, all kinds of things. And again, part of what we want to do as parents is give our kids the life skills that uh, are going to be necessary for being productive, healthy adults. And no one parent has mastered every life skill. Uh, So, you know, we sort of have to, you know, be honest ourselves. I'm not really good at that. You know, for me, I'm not really good at balancing a checkbook or whatever it is we do. I don't even have no idea what Jan balances anymore. Uh, I know it's not a checkbook. (laughs) It's got to be something online, right? Got to um, be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do know how to use uh, Amazon.com, right? To buy Michael Gurian books. Ah, I know how to the, do that. So the packages yeah. come to the door. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> well, well, Michael, yeah. this is, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say to confess right along with what you were saying is this is a good, this is a good thing in bi-strategic parenting, which you're getting at. Yes. The parent who's good at it, you know, maybe take some of it on. Um, and also I confess that like I was really into this with my kids doing this stuff with them, but I didn't teach them other life skills. Like we realized yeah. after they were grown that I forgot to teach them how to change a tire mm-hmm. because we had triple A right. and I forgot. I mean, I'm the dad and I didn't teach my daughters how to change a tire. So, so stupid me. So yes, we all have these gaps in teaching yeah. life skills. <laughs> of course. It, interestingly today, how would I teach my granddaughters to change a tire? You just dial in whatever you know insurance company or or tow company fixes right. things, and they come out and do it for you. That's so there right. are some things that have really changed dramatically in life. 
Uh, but there are still life skills that are important and managing money will never go away no matter how we do it. So That's right. Michael, thank you. This has been good. Thank you for the question. If That's you are good. not a part of our Wonder of Parenting community on Facebook, go to Facebook and put a search in for Wonder of Parenting and we will let you in as soon as I get the notification. Uh, and we are going to be back with you again next week for another edition of the Wonder of Parenting, a brain science approach to parenting, another listener's question. So thanks for listening and thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.